how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Writer-director Aaron Harvey was drawn to film at an early age, inspired by complex characters with unique art. The creator often starts with a thematic idea, then moves into character. His new film stars Luke Grimes from Yellowstone and Frank Grillo from Captain America series, but he's also known for movies like The Neighbor and Catch 44. For Into the Ashes, Nick Brenner believed he had safely escaped his violent criminal history, but his old crew hasn't forgotten about him or the money he stole, and now they're willing to take what he values most, his wife. In this interview, Harvey discusses paying homage to favorite films like Taxi Driver, why he doesn't subscribe to the Sid Field method of screenwriting, why he chose to be the writer and director for his storytelling, the pros and cons of making short films, and his appreciation for the craft of filmmaking. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe. You can also join our new YouTube series, also called Creative Principles, where we dissect new films, series, and more. I was always obsessed with film through high school and college. Uh, and so, you know, but I, I grew up in North Carolina on the East Coast, so I never thought, you know, Hollywood was a real thing. It's the other side of the world for me. Uh, so I ended up just going through school, getting a normal business degree. But when I got out of college, I, I thought, you know what, it's now or never. I should try this. So I basically packed my bags and moved to L.A. and uh, sort of hit the bricks. And uh, here I am, you know, 10 years later, 12 years later. So I Whoa, 13 years later. Oh, it's getting there. <laughs> so what were some of your inspirations? Like what type of movies were you drawn to uh, growing up? Uh, oh, God, growing up. I, I love a lot of movies, but I think more specifically for myself and the films I've always been trying to make, I have a kind of deep love of genre filmmaking, uh, genre being like, you know, taxi driver, like archetypal genre, like Lonely Man revenge movies or redemption films. You know, uh, Sam Peckinpah was a big influence. Mark Scorsese, you know, some of his early films. Um, films like The Friends of Eddie Coyle, you know, Don Siegel's movies, uh, Rolling Thunder. John Flynn made a great movie there. Um, just a lot of, I like these kind of harder genre movies that have kind of greater and broader thematic implications. That's sort of the, the movies I tend to gravitate towards. Where do you kind of start with an idea? Like you can obviously draw from those movies or, or pay homage here and there, but do you start with character? Then how do you differentiate yourself from the movies that you enjoy? Yeah, uh, I generally start from kind of a thematic idea. You know, I, I know the influence and the reference and the things that I really like and kind of what I want to see ultimately in the film. So when I start initially and when I go to write something, it's, you know, it's more what is the film about? You know, what's it trying to say? What are the themes of the film? So, you know, in the case of this last movie, it was very much like 
this this idea of rectification and redemption between these two men and and sort of how that happened and what it meant for each of them. And so, you know, it sort of starts there, and then I backload it into kind of the genre package that I like, and, I, you know, I incorporate the elements that I think are interesting and kind of make a fun story. And um, but it's But it really starts from the place of character and the place of theme first. So you mentioned uh, Taxi Driver. A lot of uh, Scorsese's early work, and really all of his work, has a lot of you know, religious implications or uh, aspects of the Bible, things like that. You kind of start with a, a similar type voiceover. Is that something you see that's based around like the whole film or just kind of this one character that's giving us a voiceover? No, that's probably more the one character. I think it's Frank's more specific uh, perspective, and it's kind of his way of filtering his point of view through what I think he thinks is familiar and comfortable. Like he's probably a guy from the South who, you know, goes to church, grew up, you know, with the Bible, uh, and basically is a very—he's a very black and white character in his practical daily life and application of his life. And so I thought it was just thematically interesting and kind of this juxtaposition to have him talking about the story from this book that he basically lives his life by, you know, in turn reflecting on what becomes his actual, his literal life, and then having to actually kind of question his own, you know, existence to a point or or his own viewpoint, I guess, to a degree, because he has to make essentially this choice that sort of flies in the face of all of his values. But those same values are being had from a literally metaphysical book, you know, and so it just seemed like a neat motif to kind of put together or have him, you know, say or expound on because that's just his point of view specifically. And it's his way of kind of filtering his reality, I think, and maybe making it easier for him to understand his decisions. How how do you also start to kind of differentiate some of the characters? Obviously, you've got some leaders and followers, but like with the character of Nick, you know, all these guys were bad before. He's kind of left that like a Clint Eastwood or Mel Gibson type of character. He's kind of left that behind. How do you how do you think about like I guess mainly the moral compass of each character? Uh, you know, that's that's a good question. I mean, it's you kind of know again what what the story needs to be. You know, in some capacity, so the characters in turn you know are impacted by that. But and vice versa, the story's impacted by the character. But I think with you know, I never got super heavy into sort of psychoanalyzing the why of why he decided to make that choice or why he decided to become a good person. I basically made it to where he is that person to a degree at his core, and that's why you have people end up gravitating towards him somewhat, like his wife and his friends, his best buddy Sal, and these characters. They can kind of see that internally and understand, you know, look beyond just sort of the facade of him being this kind of ex-convict bad guy that he used to be. Um, but in terms of, you know, why he specifically made that decision, it's not really, I don't think anything that I'm like out and out interested in. It's something that maybe, you know, Luke who plays Nick might be interested in and understanding. And we talk about that, you know, just as a, as kind of a character reason or motivation, or, you know, an affect he can use in some capacity, but I never thought, you know, why does, why does he make that choice? Why did he become a good person or, or try to get his life back on track? You know, because, you know, who, who knows why? <laughs> why does anybody make any decision, I suppose? Um, so you've had a couple movies now that are they're kind of within this genre to some degree. Um, what kind of advice do you have for kind of maybe changing up or breaking some of the rules? Like specifically, um, some movies do this in the beginning where they'll kind of show you the aftermath of a scene and they unravel what happens. You've kind of got that without giving too much away. Kind of later in your film, do you kind of see some 
some more room these days to kind of expand beyond the Sid Field, you know, structure system. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, look, I've never really subscribed much to sort of the rules of writing and, you know, I never paid attention much to kids' books, for example, you know, Save the Cat and this stuff. It's not, it's just not my thing so much, you know, and that partially comes from this idea that the films I write, I, I just want to kind of make for myself. I'm not really writing them to, to sell or to put out into the bigger industry. It's not so much for that. It's more for my own sake. So when I write, most of the rules that I adhere to really are more, you know, what do I want to see? Like if I'm, if this is the film I'm watching, you know, what, what would I want to watch right now on the screen? What's, what should be happening? What feels right for me? And so I tend to write, you know, the films as honest to myself as I can, uh, and, and try to keep that integrity intact. And then inevitably hope that other people will respond to sort of the same undertones that I, you know, that I do. Um, uh, but I think that, you know, this day and age with, I mean, you look at all these movies that are out, some of them are brilliant films that follow no structure whatsoever. So I think that, you know, the rules have changed and can be broken and people, you know, can, can tell a story however you want. I think as long as you sort of tell the story honestly to what it is that you're telling and not really worry about, you know, catching all the low hanging fruit or, or, or making it make sense for everybody, just tell the story, you know, in a macro sphere that you want to tell and you tell it appropriately, then, you know, there are no rules really anymore as far as I'm concerned. You know, if this is, if your agenda is to do kind of what I'm doing or, if, you know, you're trying to make films for yourself, I suppose. What are some other, do you, um, as a writer and director, do you see those as two very different things as kind of steps in the process or are you kind of already thinking when you're writing, like uh, possibly how to lower the budget to make sure you can do this yourself and, um, you know, how to do those type of things to keep it where you can get all of the responsibility to do both. Does that kind of make sense? Do you see that in the very beginning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yes, I know, I know what you're saying. I mean, again, just from my own personal experience and my own motivations for what I'm doing, you know, a lot of my writing is to make the movie. So I do write with a bent of if, you know, we are making this, I don't, I don't consciously think about it's usually on the first draft or the front end of it, but I do think like, you know, if this is something that I want to make practically and, you know, I think I can get this done. What is, you know, when I write, I inevitably start bending kind of the later drafts into the vein of, you know, what really makes the most sense. So we're not shooting ourselves in the foot by making something too big or, you know, or out of our scope or whatever. But I, I, you know, when I initially write it, I write it with the eye, that I'm going to be directing or that I want to make it. And, you know, what is that movie I want to see? And then uh, second to that, yeah, I, it, I always keep, you know, I keep, I try to keep in check the, the production aspect of the movie as I'm doing it. And fortunately for me, I mean, luckily the films that I like and the film, the stories I want to tell and the movies I want to make are, are generally more, you know, are less production heavy and are, are simple enough to be able to do within kind of the package and the, what I think I can actually, you know, put together to make the movie with. So I never feel, you know, incredibly overextended, but I don't think that's good advice for people. If you're just writing to write, you know, write, like put every, throw everything at the wall. If that's the case, or, you know, vice versa, if you're a director looking for material, just, you know, find material that you respond to in some capacity, whatever it is. But I know, you know, in my specific situation, yeah, I definitely, I definitely write films that I feel have a reasonable shot of possibly getting made, you know, if I can get the script where it needs to be, um, you know, because screenwriting is laborious and it's a chore. So it's, it's, you spin your wheels a lot. And I try to, 
I try to be more efficient and economic with the way that I write now and that, that my time so that I can you know, at least have that shot to get these things going and not waste four months banging out a script. <laughs> that makes sense. So the second half of this movie, there's a lot of attention, um, uh, attention as far as like uh, slowly kind of building up to these various aspects that lead to action or trying to figure out what's going on and that kind of thing. How much of that is in the script and how much of that do you see like more like in the editing room or towards the end? Like, do you kind of overfilm uh, various scenes and then decide like how long to hold a shot and everything else to really build upon that, the, what we're going to, you know, as we're uncovering this mystery and that kind of thing? Uh, no, you know, I, no, we're pretty, I'm pretty planned out and get pretty specific with the things we want and what we know we're going to use it. So we, you know, shoot relatively sparingly in terms of, you know, most of the stuff we're setting up and most of the shots we're after, I know we're going to either use in some capacity or, you know, or not at all. I don't really overshoot. We, you know, I don't have this huge uh, luxury of a lot of time or money. So you also have to be very kind of, you know, succinct in your approach to it. But I also, you know, the other, Part of the coin for me is I, I just have a huge love and appreciation of the craft of filmmaking, and I think that a lot of people these days just don't really understand what it means and don't care so much for you know the way it was and, and really knowing how to kind of block and light and tell a story or, or or make a scene happen, you know, to communicate the idea the most effectively to the viewer. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time with the DP and and my partners when on, on the front end putting together the movie on paper so that by the time we get there to shoot it, you know, it's very much just, you know, knocking the shots out and, and making sure the film is in the, the vein and the tone of what we want. But most of it is, I mean, most of what you see on the screen is pretty faithful to what we shot. And there's not a lot of stuff that we ended up cutting out. We rearranged a little bit at the end, but we knew we were going to do that in terms of, uh, we had it before where Frank is basically following behind uh, Nick's character uh, the whole time and then ends up meeting him at the cabin where we, we kind of messed with the timeline a little bit just for fun to, to amplify the tension a bit at the end. But other, you know, beyond that, we basically what you see is what we shot. So, so I see um, you got a handful of movies uh, to your credit and a couple of shorts as well. Uh, what advice do you have for people who are trying to get their first film made as writer, director, um, and how do shorts kind of help you, you know, catapult yourself into the, into the right thing to make a full-length movie? Uh, I mean, shorts, you know, don't hurt per se. I think shorts are more of a good exercise for you as the filmmaker trying to learn and understand and, and you know, applying like a conceptual idea to a, a literal, a practical, you know, result. That's what's fun about shorts is you can go, okay, can I translate what's in my brain to the screen? But I wouldn't look at shorts per se as being like, you know, the be all end all for you getting a film made. I think, you know, it really gets down to, at least in my own experience and from what I've seen friends of mine, you know, have happened, having a piece of material, having a really good script that somebody else wants to make is, is really the key. So if you, you know, you got to write honest, something honest that you'd want to see and you'd want to make, you know, put yourself into it. But at the same time, it's, that's that's really the key, and if you don't have you know a rich uncle who's going to pay for your movie, which I certainly did not, you have to uh, you have to create material that that somebody else is going to get excited about. And I know you know it's easier said than done, but that really is truly you know the end result of of getting yourself to the director chair or the beginning of getting yourself to the director chair, and then in turn you know trying to do something that you actually have a reasonable chance of getting into the director chair. And I I never started writing films that, you know, I knew would cost $20 million because there's no way anyone was going to give that to me. 
to make a movie, you, you know, I tried to write more contained, smaller stories where if I found someone with some money that liked my movie, they would actually roll the dice, uh, you know, and let me do it. And inevitably that's what happened. So, you know, I would say write, write something you could actually make reasonably for, you know, a reasonable price and hope you find someone that likes it and then hedge yourself into the director chair. But, you know, shorts, like I said, shorts are more a fun exercise, I think, than anything. And, and, and you know, it's a, it, it gives a little peace of mind to investors, but it's, you know, it's it's easier to do a 15-minute short than it is to sustain a narrative feature for 90 minutes. So I would lean more on your own writing and material than I would a short film. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.